When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the Florida State of Recruiting podcast. We are the three stars with Tomahawk Nation. My name is Tim Allenball and we're going to spend the next 20 to 30 minutes talking about all things Florida State recruiting with two of our report, our recruiting gurus, Josh Pick and David Stout. So excited to jump into it uh, and talk all things Florida State. We've been off for a few weeks, but I'll tell you who's not been off. It's the Florida State Recruiting Program. And we're excited to jump into that with you. But before we do that, let's see how our guys are doing. Dr. David Stout, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well. Excited to talk with you boys and get caught up on all the, the awesome news that's been happening on the recruiting trail. Yeah, we're excited to hear from you and hopefully Sadie if she makes an appearance at some point. Oh, she's, yeah, she's sniffing around somewhere. I'm sure she will. <laughs> uh, our friend Josh Pick, how are you, sir? As you take What's a drink up, of water, right as I ask you. It's been too long. <laughs> it really has. Uh, I'm especially excited about this podcast because as Florida State has been making moves, I have been less plugged in than normal. Uh, I know you guys kind of eat, breathe, sleep, Florida State recruiting. Josh is as, actually plugged into the Tomahawk Nation data frame. Uh, I have been trying to help our site cover baseball. And uh, it, God it's, bless been, you, Tim. it's been a rough, rough year. Uh, and in fact, when this podcast is open or done uh, recording, I'll be jumping into our open thread uh, as Florida State tries to salvage the season against Virginia Tech. And it, it's been miserable. But I appreciate all those guys that have been in there with us, even the ones that tell us that they're canceling their season tickets. I hope they change their minds. But, hey, guys, uh, let's talk football where it was not a bad season last season, and that is really carrying over so far into this offseason. But before we do that, Josh, a special message from you here. Well, I mean, you're talking about baseball. Like Three of these commitments that Florida State has in the 2024 class are going to be playing baseball for Florida State as well. So we kind of segue right into that. Yeah. It, I mean, we have Camden Fryer, uh, Cam Davis, right? And then one of the new commits that we'll talk about tonight, B.J. Gibson. So, uh, That's hey, an Florida entire State, outfield. <laughs> the, the baseball team needs it. They really do. 
Uh, Josh and I, we, we uh, at least once a week trade messages uh, in Slack about just how miserable and shout out to our boy, Brett Nevitt, who is probably living in absolute hell currently. So uh, no, or Brett. we hope that he survived. <laughs> but um, guys, Florida State, since the last time we talked, I think has picked up, if I'm right, five commitments. I'm counting it up. One, two, three. So four for this 2024 cycle, one for the 25 cycle, and one for the 26th class. And we're going to touch on all of those tonight uh, for a few minutes. Uh, We're going to try not to make this a super long podcast, but we do want to talk to you about each of these players and where they fit in. And and I, again, this is why I'm excited because I am not looped in other than, you know, some of the big names. So excited to see what Josh and David have for us. And let's jump right into it. Uh, The first recruit that comes to mind committed to Florida state on April 3rd uh, is Jaden Parrish, a linebacker out of, uh, out of Atlantic Delray beach, Florida. He's ranked 714 in the national um, recruiting Josh, I want to start with you on Parrish because out of everybody that we talk about tonight, he's probably the lowest, uh, quote unquote, recruit or lowest lowest number recruit. Uh, but this is a kid that Florida State really likes. Uh, I see Randy Shannon special uh, throwing a bit, throwing around a bit on this guy. So, what are your thoughts on Parrish, Josh? Uh, a little bit surprised he was to take this early in the cycle. Uh, Florida State offered him, and he kind of pulled the trigger shortly thereafter. But it's that that new mold that Florida State's going after, which is the smaller more athletic linebacker and it kind of seems like that's what Florida State's after and the fact they're willing to take him this early means they must like him quite a bit yeah so talk about that mold for just a minute if you could uh with what Florida State's doing and where we've kind of seen that already in the last few cycles if if you can touch on that yeah I mean it's just you know in the old the old days you had those freaking beefy 230 240 pound linebackers that really couldn't go sideline to sideline, but now it's kind of more the kids that are playing some safety in high school, it's a little hybrid linebacker and kind of more of the 200, 210, 215 pound range. And guys you'll see probably playing special teams early on at Florida state and guys are able to move out and cover some receivers in the slot if they need to need to. Yeah. And we, you know, when you look at uh, Jaden Parrish and you look at DeMarco Ward from the last cycle, Similar body types, um, you know, part of what Josh was talking about, too, is guys who are more along the lines of six feet tall, maybe six foot one, where you used to look for guys who are six, three, six, four taller. Um, but basically what they're doing now is they're sacrificing height for more speed and, and mobility. And uh, what you notice about DeMarco and DeMarco Ward and Jaden Parrish is both highly productive uh, players at in terms of stats in their high school. So Jaden Parrish uh, last year, I believe, um, tallied over 150 tackles. Uh, DeMarco Ward, very similar, triple-digit tackles. So Randy Shannon clearly is valuing quite a bit on the production level um, in terms of high school. And, uh, you know, these are guys, DeMarco Ward and Jaden Parrish, that Uh, you really, really hope that you don't have to rely on them early because they're going to need some time in the system. They're going to need some time in the strength and conditioning program. Um, But like Josh said, you, you ideally can break them in via special teams, kick return unit, all that kind of uh, kickoff unit, all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, we'll see, Uh, you know, as, as Florida state moves forward in this cycle, the hope would be that a guy like Jaden Parrish would, would end up being one of the lower 
um, rated recruits and that you're able to really, you know, focus a lot on blue chips. And we'll see if another situation comes available where they can land a more highly ranked um, linebacker who might be ready to play sooner, a la Blake Nicholson in the last class. So definitely something to keep an eye on here. Uh, I'm going to try to jog our memories. If you go back to Omar Graham a couple classes back, when we talk about similar builds, not quite the same because I think Omar is a little bit taller, I I think. I'll have to double-check the stats on that. But uh, Omar is similar in that he's more the athletic type. Um, I I think he's a better player at a high school than those guys are. Uh, but you do, as you guys mentioned, start to really see um, that change. Omar's, I, I, I think, measures in around um, 220, something like that. So he's a little bit bigger, 6'1". Um, but you still start, you're seeing, I think back to um, some of the linebackers we had in the past that were a lot more uh, lengthier guys uh, that could cover and, and um, but also really bring the hit stick. And so it's curious to see Florida State changing that mold a little bit. And college football as a whole, uh, that linebacker position out of all of them seems to be the one that pivots the most uh, as far as what you look for in that position. It sounds um, like our yeah, cars do awfully well in the spring ball games too. Yeah, yeah. Omar, uh, Omar really uh, looks like he's coming along, and we'll talk about this in the second podcast with what that linebacker room is doing in the transfer portal. Uh, We may see Omar getting a lot of playing time this year. All right, so I want to go to the next one, and I'll start with you, David, because it's a wide receiver uh, a little bit. Uh, LeWayne McCoy out of Miami Central. I know this is a kid that is is listed as an athlete, uh, is going to be able to play on both sides of the ball um, in the secondary and potentially a wide receiver. Uh, But this was a guy that I think the Miami side assumed they had in the bag. Uh, as they like to say. Um, but this was somebody that Florida State was able to land. I think that's somebody that Florida State is going to have to battle to keep from time to time. Uh, but this is a big get for Florida State. Uh, Dave, let me get your thoughts on him. Absolutely, man. I've been in heaven. I, I think half of the six commits they've gotten have been wide receivers. So, you know, I'm over the moon about that. And LeWayne McCoy in particular, he's, this is a guy that I brought up, um, have brought up several times uh, in earlier recruiting threads as somebody I, I was very hopeful that FSU could get in um, into his top group. And yeah, for a while, it looked like Miami just kind of had the clamps on him. But, you know, Ron Dugans, Mike Norvell, they've been working really, really hard and it paid off in a big way. And Miami, <laughs> man, they they really thought they had him. Um, that doesn't mean they're going to stop trying. They're certainly going to you know keep trying. And that's going to be a theme that, uh, you know, Florida State fans are going to see as FSU has ascended in recruiting, um, they're going to have to really fight off a lot of big-name programs for a lot of these guys, more so than they've had to do in any other class previously under Mike Norvell. But what I really like about McCoy is some some programs really like him as a defensive back. Uh, FSU in particular likes him at wide receiver, and I agree with that. I think he's he's – he, he could become a starter at defensive back, I think, but I really love his potential at wide receiver. Very smooth route runner. Um, you notice that he's really able to get in and out of his breaks and his routes very, very fluidly. Um, really good hands, is not afraid to go across the middle. Um, I, you know, I, I don't want to compare him to this guy because I don't think he's, he's there 
uh, yet, but he, he reminds me a little bit of Rashad Green in terms of being a really good technical route runner at this stage. Um, almost makes it look effortlessly, you know, especially going across the middle against some of those linebackers really makes it look effortless. And so um, a kid that I'm really excited about, I think you can put him in the slot. I think you can put him outside. I think you could potentially even, you know, line him up out of the backfield as a gadget player if you really had to. But um, this is the kind of athlete that FSU really loves to get out of that South Florida area because he's playing against really good competition proving himself against that really good competition. And this is a guy who can come in and, and maybe start pushing for, for playing time sooner rather than later. Josh, I, I, I want to get to this a little bit more after the next uh, guy we talk about, but what Florida state has done with wide receiver recruiting already with McCoy, with Gibson, with Fryer, with Abrams is now set them in a really good position to basically go big game hunting when it comes to the wide receiver spot. Do you feel that's accurate in saying that, Josh? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the two guys I'd look for there are James Madison and JoJo Trader. And ironically enough, Lloyd McCoy plays with JoJo Trader on the South Florida Express 7-on-7 team. So there's definitely a connection there. And, yeah, it's just nice to get a Miami Central kid in the fold at Florida State. And it's a kid we've been talking about since last year on this podcast, but William McCoy, I think was I think was probably a push from the staff after they lost the commitment of Jordan Pride, and it was like let's let's respond immediately and and a, a big way to do it with the South Florida four star prospect. Yeah, uh, it, it's definitely uh, it was somebody that we knew was was visiting, we knew that was interested, but it wasn't somebody I think we were expecting to commit at this time. So a big response by Florida State, uh, and, and then to continue on the wide receiver train, their next commit. Uh, was B.J. Gibson, who is uh, a four-star out of Georgia, uh, top 384 guy, probably ranked a little bit lower, uh, was a former Tennessee baseball commit, uh, very high thought of on the baseball side as well. So, Josh, this is a kid that is, is very athletic um, and I think probably has the skills to potentially, if he wanted to, not year one, but play early. Uh, but we could see him definitely playing year one on the baseball team. Yeah. And, and another team you could see on special teams kind of, and another maybe out of like David mentioned with McCoy, kind of just a gadget guy. Like you can use him in the slot. You can use him out of the backfield, a guy that, you know, can catch some pass out of the backfield end arounds, all sorts of stuff. Very athletic kid and a very nice get for not only Mike Norvell, but Link Jarrett as well. I, I mean, I really think that kids like that will really help the baseball program as well. Yeah, David, uh, another wide receiver. So I've got to at least get your input for a few minutes as, as this is uh, what you dream of. Yeah, we're and you you nailed it, Tim. Um, Luane McCoy was that this was one that we were probably all surprised he committed this early, uh, whereas B.J. Gibson, not surprised at all. Um, and, and it became very, very clear very quickly how much he liked FSU. Um, and was going to get the opportunity to play both baseball and football. It really was just a matter of when were the coaches going to kind of give him the green light. And they did it, and and he took advantage of it. And um, another kid I'm really excited about, high-ceiling kid, um, very, very, very talented on the football field and in the classroom. Um, and you can see that in his highlights. He's a cerebral player and, and uh, really understands the nuances of the game already. And, um, you know, like Josh said, another gadget guy. And, and I think, you know, as we see FSU bringing in these really talented wide receivers, 
you know, it's going to be on Alex Atkins and whoever may end up following him as offensive coordinator and Mike Norvell to really try to rotate these guys out because you're going to have a lot of different weapons and it's going to be exciting to see how he puts these athletes into space and gets the ball in their hands. It was something exciting he did at Memphis and and he finally is getting the horses that he needs at FSU. So I'm excited to see guys like Gibson and, and McCoy in the offense just to see how he diagrams them and, and utilizes them. And um, I'll tell you, man, the wide receiver, unit ron dugan certainly uh you know we need to give him a lot of credit he has really responded well on the trail but again alex atkins mike norvell they're they're all pushing hard for these things as well as the graduate assistant coaches uh and the analysts once these guys get on campus that's a crucial part of it because they keep getting these guys on campus and when you do that you're able to really utilize all the staff who can't go out on the road and FSU is doing a great job of that. So Gibson was another one who, who was very, very familiar face on campus. And it's nice to see him, you know, pull the trigger and, and join the tribe. And, and David, I know, you know, those that have read the recruiting thread kind of maybe read your thoughts on this, but I know that you were asked who you like one to four of the current wide receiver commits. If you could maybe go back over that kind of what you see with all four of those guys, and then maybe, Touch on Tawaski Adams, and, and do you end up seeing him in this class at the end of the day? Yeah, TJ. See, it's hard, right? Because you, when you see these guys commit, you really, really want to think that all of them are in it for the long haul. And, you know, what happens is when you get a commitment at a position, we're really excited about it, right? But then two other guys commit at that position. And then all of a sudden, you have a guy who thought, you know, Hey, it's just me. I'm big fish in a little pond. And then all of a sudden you've got another guy come in and then another guy come in. And so maybe they start having second thoughts. Um, I would, and I, and I want to make this very clear. I, all four of these guys are takes for FSU. There's no doubt about that there. I believe all four of them are legitimate blue chip prospects, all talented enough to play at this level, especially with, you know, the upgraded roster, but I just can't see all of them sticking. And Abrams is the guy I think will end up looking elsewhere. Um, we have heard that he is uh, going to be visiting Colorado. He may have already visited Colorado. I don't know. But he's totally a guy I can see being wooed by a Deion Sanders or another flashy head coach to be the guy at a different institution versus being one of four or five guys at Florida state. And I get it. We get it right. Like the, you know, you have to appeal to do what's best for you. Um, but yeah, somebody asked me like who has the highest ceiling versus who has the highest floor. Um, and so in terms of the highest ceiling and the highest floor, I put uh, McCoy at both of those. And I, it's because I really, really like McCoy. I can see him developing into a reliable starting wide receiver for a couple years. I think he, you know, could, again, I don't want to compare him to Rashad Green, but I think he could kind of fill that role for FSU um, as kind of Mr. Reliable. And, and he's always going to be in the spot you need him to be versus a Hakeem Williams, who is a threat to take it deep on every play and all that kind of stuff. So I think McCoy has the highest ceiling and the highest floor. Um, in terms of highest ceiling, I put Abrams right there too uh, at the top because right now where he's most accomplished is speed. He's got elite speed. And I think, you know, he could probably come in if he sticks with FSU, he can probably come in and push for playing time as a returner right off the bat because he has that kind of speed. 
He's not as far along as a true wide receiver as the other prospects, but I think once he gets there, if he can put it all together, he's got a very high ceiling. Um, and I think uh, I, I put Gibson right below that because, again, I think Gibson and Fryer have both kind of shown who they're going to be in some sense at the college level, whereas McCoy and Abrams, I feel like, are just kind of scratching the surface. But again, all four very high ceilings and very high floor. I put Fryer at the highest, the second highest for the highest floor, um, and then Gibson, and then uh, I put Abrams at the bottom of that because if he doesn't put it all together at wide receiver, he can still be a weapon at kick returner and punt returner for you. Um, so again, I, I really believe all four of these guys, absolutely valid takes. I'd love to see all four of them stick, but I do think if you're going to see one, you know, flip over somewhere else, it's probably going to be Abrams. Um, and honestly, I'm okay with that. That That's okay with me. If, if I had to choose one um, to say, you know, you only get three of the four, uh, he's probably the one I would choose to to go for. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a Happy price. Got your happy price, price line. David, you mentioned uh, players flipping. Before we go to the last name for 2024 and then also touch on future classes, uh, Florida State did lose a commitment here in the past uh, month or so uh, when Jordan Pride, longtime commit, safety, uh, decommitted, has really flirted a lot with the Florida Gators. Uh, David, this wasn't really a surprise to anybody that's read the the recruiting thread in the past six months or even more, probably. Yeah, Josh and I, and even you, Tim, we've we've all kind of not felt that Pride was really a commitment for months. Um, he went through a long period of time where he didn't come on campus, and then the coaches did a good job of getting him on campus a couple times, but you know, it just it, it just kind of felt like he was going through the motions, and so I think this was a I don't want to say it was a mutual parting of the ways because FSU would have loved to have kept him in the class, but I think the coaches realized that, you know, his heart's just not in it. And so, you know, they, they accepted that and, and Jordan has moved on. Um, I got to say, I'm kind of shocked that Florida hasn't locked him up yet. I mean, I feel like he's kind of wrapped up and ready to go for them. Um, so I would love to see another school coach him, but really talented kid. You know, I hate missing out on him, but at the same time, FSU is in really good shape with some safety prospects. I don't know that, you know, outside of KJ Bolden, who is, who's a little bit more of a long shot, I don't know that any of the ones they're sitting in the top group for are as talented as Pride, but that doesn't mean they're not talented, and they are talented, and they're, you know, there are some blue chips that FSU looks good for. So, um, you know, if you were going to lose a really talented prospect at a position, you're probably choosing wide receiver or you know defensive back at this time because FSU is in really good shape at both of those spots. So, you know, we wish Jordan well. It's fine, um, but FSU is moving forward, and so are we. Yeah, and FSU did take a huge step forward uh, most recently um, with the the kind of unusual the recommit, uh, which doesn't happen very often in college football. A five-star tight end, Landon Thomas, out of Colquitt County, 
Moultrie, Georgia. This was massive as uh, he was committed to the Georgia Bulldogs. So this was a huge pull. Uh, but you could really tell that Landon was really listening to Florida State, was really interested in them. Uh, and the coaches did a great job here, Josh, with, uh, with, with Thomas. Yeah, and this is something we've been talking about. Like, when is Florida State going to land a stud high school tight end? And they finally did it. And so kudos to Chris Thompson. Obviously, kudos to Mike Norvell and, and just the whole operation for the recruiting team, D-Ray, and, and, and the money game that Florida State's now gotten. But also, we've been preaching proof of concept. And, like, when is Florida State finally going to be able to say, hey, we're winning? And now, like, we've built these relationships with these kids, and now they want to come. And, and here it is. And Landon Thomas, obviously a kid that liked the Florida State staff a long time ago, but Georgia, the top tight end producing school in the country offered him and he's from Georgia. Obviously there's a lot of pressure to go there, but at the end of the day for Florida state to, to get his signature again, obviously he hasn't signed yet, but that's just an amazing job by the staff. And, and I couldn't be more excited because he's an absolute stud and, and who knows, he might end up bringing Kyle and Fox another four-star tight end from Georgia along with him. All right, so, man, I'm, I'm shooting my shot here. Biggest verbal commitment in era to date bigger than Travis Hunter and I'll tell you why Hikeem Williams was a huge victory Travis Hunter huge victory but they committed to FSU first this situation you had a kid who was committed and then left and they and he left for arguably the best recruiting factory in the nation right now in Georgia it's either Georgia or Bama I think it's Georgia right now now you've taken him back from Georgia and you pissed off Georgia because Georgia really wanted this kid. And Georgia, I mean, of any program, can you think of like a program who's put out more tight end like studs lately than Georgia? I mean, Iowa's the only ones close, I think. And so not only have you stolen a five star from Georgia, you stole him back to your program and you stole him at a position where Georgia has been just crushing it lately. So this is that shot across the bow. Like Josh said, this is that shot heard around the nation because all of a sudden FSU just took somebody from Georgia. That was a big priority for Georgia. So now what's going to happen is Kirby smart's going to set his sights on Tallahassee and he's going to try to get payback. There's of course, they're still going to be working on Landon Thomas, but those SEC guys, man, they got a vengeance about them. So it wouldn't be surprising to see Georgia start talking to more of uh, FSU's top-level recruits and, and trying to switch some kids. But this is exactly what we've been hoping to see. This is a statement that says Mike Norvell can compete with the Kirby Smarts, with the Nick Sabans. Now we have to see him do it consistently. We have to see him reel in those five stars and hold on to them. But this is the first time he's stolen a five-star talent from a significant program. So, man, I, I was so – I freaked out when I saw this because you, you saw these little signs. He kept showing up to Tallahassee. You know, I didn't think it would happen this quickly. I thought it might go into the season, but I was – I felt confident that they were going to switch him back. But, man, to get it back in the summer is amazing. But now the big task is you got to hold on to him. So – We'll see how they do on that um, to be continued, certainly. But this was a really encouraging sign for Florida State fans. So, so now we have to do part five of your Mike Norvell high school recruiting series. <laughs> Dude, I don't want to touch that series anymore. I'm so over that series. That was longer than my dissertation, I think. David, you said biggest verbal recruit, bigger than uh, Hakeem? I think so, because they were able to, with Hakeem, 
he was uncommitted. They got him to commit to Florida State, and then they held everybody off. They didn't have to steal him from another program that is actively trying to keep him. So I think this was a harder task than Hakeem was. Now, you got to hold on to him. So this is all assuming he signs, which is a big assumption. If they lose him, of course, it's still Hakeem. But I think this takes the cake over Hakeem based on who they were able to steal him from. That, 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 uh, that matters, yeah, definitely. As we uh, said, yeah. it's not just the school. It's the school and the position, and he's from that state. Like, that's just – that's a three-banger three, three banger there. And can we talk about all of a sudden Florida State has a top-five recruiting class made entirely up of prospects from Florida Georgia. Man, I, I could not be more excited about that. This is exactly what we need to see. Georgia and Florida making up the majority of FSU's commitments. So, man, I am so excited to see that FSU is not having to go off to, you know, Texas and, and Alabama and get three stars and everything. So this, this is very, very exciting to see that they've recommitted to their sweet spot, which is in-state recruits and Georgia. I wonder if fans think that Florida State should stop recruiting out-of-state kids. I mean, you know, I've always said, I've always made the argument that South and Central Georgia is more important to FSU than South Florida is. Um, And I still stand by that. But you have to have a lot of in-state kids. But Florida State cannot afford to not have a significant presence in the state of Georgia. But I'll tell you what, man, if you could just make a class out of kids from Georgia and Florida, I think you're doing just fine. I, I agree. Uh, I, I think Jimbo made South Florida important to him when he had success here. Uh, and hopefully we see the same with Mike. And sorry if you guys heard my TV get really loud. I was uh, turning on the baseball game just in time to see Jackson Ballmeister walk the leadoff guy. So uh, right. awesome stuff. Uh, so let's jump over uh, to 2025 briefly because uh, we did have a commit there uh, from from where I grew up uh, and and went out to school in Mandarin, uh, the Mustangs, uh, three-star quarterback, uh, Tramel Jones Jr. Um, Josh, if you want to talk to him about, about Jones for a second, um, obviously 2025 is, is far away, but he seems pretty sold on Florida State uh, and is a kid with a lot of talent, but it wouldn't shock me to see another quarterback in the 2025 class in addition to Jones. Yeah, I mean, I agree. You never know. Like, it could be a situation like with Luke Cromanhawk where he comes in and he's he's nobody when Florida State offers him and he commits, and all of a sudden he's one of the top quarterbacks in the country. You could see the same thing. Uh, at this point, Jones is a little bit undersized, only six feet tall, um, but he could still be growing. Um, has a good offer list, though. I mean, Florida had already offered him Georgia Tech, Maryland. Um, Florida State got on him early. And, and part of that, too, I think, is they realize, like, hey, he's got one of the top receivers playing with him in high school and, and Jamie French and yeah. Mandarin's a really good school and, and, and you want to kind of build that up. But I agree. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he number one ends up becoming a four-star when all is said and done. Number two, he's a part of a two quarterback class at Florida state. I think the big key too with Jones is what's perfect about his commitment is you know, it's, it's always good to have a quarterback in a future class because they tend to be more vocal. They tend to, you know, try to galvanize the skill players and the offensive linemen. But Jones is a talented kid. Like Josh said, he could easily end up a blue chip. I, I'd have him rated as like a high three right now. And then based on how he does this season, I think you can put him in four-star territory if he has a successful year. But 
he's also not the kind of kid who scares away other top flight quarterback prospects. And so, you know, getting a commitment from him, Jones is the kind of guy who is going to need to probably sit for minimum two years before he can give you anything on the field, maybe even three. And the cool thing about him is he's fine with that. He has said so. He's like, you know, I, I'm, I'm totally fine if I don't come in and play right away. I want to get into the strength and conditioning program. I really want to develop. And so he's got a phenomenal attitude about that. So if you're still kind of big game hunting, which, you know, with Luke K shooting up the rankings like he is, I don't know that they absolutely have to land a, a five-star stud in that class, but I think you can afford to take another guy who maybe is further along than Jones. Um, and so, yeah, he's, he's exactly what you want in a quarterback commitment right now, because if you're looking to potentially take two, he's not a guy who scares anybody off, but he's still talented enough to where you could easily see him become a starter at Florida state. Yeah. And I think also Florida state was a little bit proactive on this, realizing that Florida was about to land Austin Simmons. And so, Florida State went ahead and gave Tremel Jones the green light and said, go ahead and commit. Let's kind of take a little bit of the sting away from not getting Simmons. Uh, Simmons is the kid that uh, Florida thinks should be starting this year at their college, right? Is that that quarterback? No, no, that's uh, – that Lagway? Yeah, Lagway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's funny seeing fan bases, including our own sometimes, with the hype around recruits. But... Well, I mean, it also says a lot about the Florida quarterback room right now. <laughs> oh, it's disgusting. It's uh, it's disgusting, but it's lovely. I love it. Uh, Josh, one thing real quick on Jones. You you kind of mentioned it. If he grows another two to three inches, which he's still in that age where that can very easily happen, uh, suddenly he becomes a totally different prospect uh, and, yeah. and could definitely shoot up the rankings. Yeah, and, and, and as we've seen for so long, like Florida State's got such a great eye for talent. and You got to give, you know, Mike Norvell and Tony Tokar is the benefit of the doubt on this, that they see something that this guy is going to grow into something and, and he's going to become a, a big time prospect, I think. Yep. Um, and then finally, let's go to the 2026 class. Uh, got a legacy that committed just uh, when we we're recording this just yesterday. Uh, Devin Carter, of course, unranked at this point because it's 2026, but uh, gives a stud. Uh, got some got some great genes there. Uh, Stout, I'll let you do this because it's a legacy because wide receiver. Uh, tell me your thoughts on Devin Carter briefly. Yeah, so it's it's it can be hard to get excited about commitments who are 2025, 2026, but this is a special one. And I can't emphasize this enough. Like, I think a lot of times people look at legacies and they expect them to live up to their fathers and all that stuff. And, and sometimes that doesn't happen. Right? Like sometimes that doesn't happen. Every once in a while, you'll get a legacy who turns out to be even better than his father was. And sometimes that happens. Devin Carter has an excellent shot at minimum living up to Dexter's hype. And Dexter was a stud for FSU. There's no doubt about that. But Devin is a stud as well. I mean, you're talking about a kid who got significant playing time at wide receiver for a team who went to the state championship and its division in Georgia as a freshman. And I mean, he routinely made guys who are seniors and juniors at defensive back in Georgia look silly on the field. And so I, I am so excited to see how he develops um, again, not, not a super surprising 
um, commitment because I think he even mentioned in his commitment story, how like Odell held him as a baby and all this stuff. So he definitely has loved Florida state for a long time. And I think, you know, that's going to really help because he will be in I mean, he already is a national crew. He's already got committable offers from Georgia, Alabama, um, you know, you name it, all the, all the major programs in the Southeast. And I'm sure Ohio state will offer him as well, but you're talking about a kid who, Already in the, in the first rankings, I will be shocked if he's not minimum a top 100. I would say even top 75 player. He should easily be in the top five of whatever the position they rank him in, whether it's athlete or whether it's wide receiver. Um, and this is a guy who has a very good chance of ending up as a five-star player, assuming he keeps developing and stays healthy. So this is a huge, huge deal for FSU for 2026. This is a bell cow recruit. Um, not only is he supremely talented for his age, um, he's he's got Seminole in his blood. So, I mean, he's going to be one that I think can really, really be helpful as a recruiter, not just as a recruit. So one that I'm very excited about, but again, it is 2026. So we're, you know, we're trying to certainly temper our expectations because who knows what will happen before then, but um, very exciting nonetheless to see him pull the trigger for FSU. And if you're going to take a 20, if you're going to take a 2026 kid, you want to take a kid that's a legacy that you, you feel pretty good about. And I just want to like, okay, he's 15 years old, Alabama, Arkansas, Auburn, Florida, Georgia, LSU, NC state, Nebraska, Ole Miss, South Carolina, Tennessee, Virginia Tech. Uh, yeah, that kid's pretty good. Yeah, the entire SEC wants him. Um, if you want to see something fun, I think it was on Twitter. I'm not sure. Dexter Carter posted a video of uh, Devin asleep in bed with his phone where he was watching uh, Jordan Travis highlights, but he had fallen <laughs> asleep, but he was holding his phone. So pretty fun stuff. He's got a uh, Florida State uh, pillowcase, so I think it was pretty locked up for a while there. For, uh, for Devin Carter. We just um, have to make sure that at some point he puts a flag on the head of a Miami player. <laughs> that, that's, uh, that's an all-time classic. Um, um, all right. Well, guys, I think that's all we want to talk about here in the first podcast. Uh, Florida State recruiting over recapping the last few weeks. Um, excited to report that Florida State is up 2 nothing in baseball in the first inning. I don't know what's going on. It's all right. With my hands. Yeah. Uh, the the problem hasn't been getting the lead. The problem isn't holding the lead. Um, we're gonna have to, if they win, we might have to podcast every game during the game to 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 get them to continue the streak alive here. But anyways, um, we'll be back here shortly with another podcast. We're gonna talk about the transfer portal a little bit. We're gonna switch it up. Uh, but uh, as always, I encourage you to go to Tomahawk Nation. Check out the recruiting thread. Talk, check out all of the commitment articles that. Uh, David especially has been pumping out for us, so we really appreciate that. And uh, before I call tonight, Josh, did I forget or miss anything? I got to always check with you. No, I think we're pretty good. Uh, just an exciting time to be a Florida State fan because recruiting is booming and recruiting is the lifeblood of college football. Good stuff. Well, uh, until we catch you here shortly, uh, for Josh Pick, for David Stout, this has been the Florida State Recruiting Podcast. We are the three stars. Let's keep climbing. <laughs>